Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Jesus, the Messiah, comes to this earth, born of a virgin, on the day and the times in which the Old Testament had talked about, shows up healing people, giving sight to those who are blind, restoring hearing back to those who couldn't hear. The lame have walked. He's doing everything he was supposed to do. And they have the audacity to say, we want to kill you. So I'm sorry if we get offended that they don't get to know the secrets. Have you ever heard the phrase, too smart for your own good? Well, that's exactly what the religious leaders of Jesus' day were. They knew all there was to know about the scriptures. They devoted their lives to study the Jewish traditions and faith. Yet they couldn't understand the parables that Jesus was sharing. Pastor James shares today that they thought they had understanding, but they were blinded by their pride, and it kept them from unlocking the true meaning of Jesus' stories. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Mark, chapter 4, with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. ever reading through the Bible and you come across something, you're like, I have no idea what I just read. Like, I have no, I'm like, what? Like, um, you're in good company. And that's where you should find yourself most of the time. If I'm going to be honest with you, if, if you're like batting a thousand when it comes to scripture reading, um, I, I don't know what's going on in your life. Um, maybe I need to hang out with you more um, because you're seeing stuff that I'm not seeing. Because I come to this word and even on familiar stories, and I walk away and I'm thinking like, I don't think I fully understand what you're talking about. In fact, I know I don't fully understand what you're talking about. And there's parts of the scriptures where I'm like, I have no idea. I have no clue. And people ask questions. They like to ask questions. And I'm sorry to disappoint you, but I'm going to do that quite often where I'm like, well, I don't know. I have no idea. I- I'll look into it. I definitely want to know. See, that's the difference. I want to know. I want to press in. I want to do the hard work of figuring this stuff out. I want to. And I would hope you want to as well. Religious people, they don't want to because they think they already know it. And then they walk away and they're like, farmer stories? Really, Jesus? Kind of lame. And they miss it. But his disciples are like, what were you talking about? That, that requires humility um, that requires honesty, because, I mean, they stand, I mean, as far as we know, chronologically, this might be the first time where they actually ask Jesus, what in the world are you talking about? And that could show that they, that could be exposing a really vulnerable part of them, where they're like, yeah, we've been hanging out with you, Jesus, but we don't know what you're saying. We don't fully understand. I know you picked us, and I don't want you to kick me out of the group because I don't know, but I don't know. And he's like, that's exactly where I want you. That's exactly where I want you. Because nobody knew. But you're the only ones coming to me to ask. Nobody knew. But you are coming to me to ask. That's where he wants you. That's where he wants me. It's to approach his word with an awe and a reverence. I mean, this is the word of God. 
And I always want to approach this thing with like, man, it's the, it literally is the best book ever. Absolutely. I've read many books. This thing is the best ever. Because I can approach this thing, and I'm floored time in and time out. And then there's days where I walk up to this thing, and it's as dry as can be. There's no problem with the word. There's no problem with the seed. Sometimes it's the soil. But it's so amazing, and it has this effect where it's like, I just want to keep coming back to it. I just want to keep coming back to it. I want to read through the word in a year or listen through it on your phone. I just want, I can't wait to start again. Why? Because there's so much there that I just don't understand. I don't understand. I hope that that's where our hearts are at. So they gather, they're asking him like what these parables meant, and he hears his, his reply to them, and this is where it gets a little tricky. This is where even commentators and Bible experts, whatever that means, um, are like, well, we don't know. Um, nobody really wants to say too much on this next part, but he says, he replies, he's like, you're permitted to understand the secret of the kingdom of God. I've been, I've given you the, the ability, the opportunity to understand the secret of the kingdom of God. I've made that available to you guys. He says, but I use parables for everything I say to the outsiders. So these parables are meant to spark this intrigue within those who, the insiders, we'll call them. But for the outsiders, it's like, it's still a mystery. Now, outsiders can always become insiders. That's the thing. Nowhere in here does it say that the outsiders aren't permitted to become insiders, okay? They have the opportunity. It's just whether they want to or not really depends on them, completely depends on them. But these guys who are the ones who are hanging out with him and have been following him after he has called them and, and he's sent them on various little you know, outreaches and all that good stuff, they want to be with Jesus. And he's like, that's what I want. And because you want to be with me, guess what? You get to know what I'm talking about. You get to understand these mysteries, these, the secret, so to speak. Not like that book that came out. I don't even know what that was, but not that garbage, but like the gospel. What, what prophets of old long to see. These, these guys are getting to see. I mean, there's the Messiah. They're with the Messiah. The guy they've been waiting on forever. And he's there. And Jesus is like, you guys want to hang out with me. So guess what? You get to know the secrets. All those other guys, they quote unquote have been waiting for me. And yeah, there's some of them, they, to this day, they still are. He's like, I'm here and they want nothing to do with me. They have rejected me. So they reject me, they don't get the secrets. You accept me, you want to be, be with me, you get the secrets. There you go. You're like, that's not fair. Well, who are you to determine what is fair and what is not fair? Jesus, the Messiah, comes to this earth, born of a virgin, on the day and the times in which the Old Testament had talked about, he shows up healing people giving sight to those who are blind, restoring hearing back to those who couldn't hear. The lame have walked. He's doing everything he was supposed to do. And they have the audacity to say, we want to kill you. 
So I'm sorry if we get offended that they don't get to know the secrets, but we need to get over that. They rejected the Messiah. Can they know the secrets? They could have. They had to humble themselves. They would have had to humble themselves and acknowledge the fact that he is who he says he is. He is the one. Like a Nicodemus who came to Jesus in the middle of the night and revealed to him, like, we know you're a good teacher. We know you're a good teacher. Jesus is like, Nicodemus, you need to be born again. You need to be born again. He was. He did. Some of those who were the outsiders became insiders. The outsiders don't get to know the secrets, though. Any outsiders who want to know the secret, well, there's a way. His name is Jesus, and he's the only way. He's the only way. I don't like Christianity because it's so exclusive and all this stuff. It's like, you don't understand. We don't understand what this is all about then. There is one way. There can only be one way. And as that seems narrow, well, guess what? That's what Jesus said it was going to be. Narrow is the way. Narrow is the way. Anybody, whosoever, can come in and be a part of the insiders you want to know the secrets? You don't like being out on the outside and all? You can become an insider, but it's only through Jesus. It's through him. That just, in our day, and listen, in our day and age where we're so humanistic, and this is crazy religion of humanism and all that good stuff, which is just a big lie, and it's a deceit. That's all it is. It's a big deceit. That's what it is. They want to say like, no, 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 this isn't, we don't like this because of those things. I'm sorry, but when... When you create your own world and the people who populate that world and they rebel against you and you come and you die for all those guys, then you can make the rules. But until you do that, he's already done this thing and he sets how it goes. Whether we like it or agree with it or not doesn't make a difference. He says, this is is the parables. This is what I'm choosing to do. I'm choosing to communicate in such a way that it's going to cause some of you to want to know what I'm talking about more, and it's going to cause some of you other ones to reject me even more. He could have made them all followers of his. God doesn't force salvation on anybody. Because if he did, then you have no free will. So we have to deal sometimes with difficult portions of Scripture that make us think, this just isn't fair. We have, God created us as creatures made in his image that have the ability to choose him or to reject him. And that's a beautiful thing. It's a sobering thing because people will reject him. But it's a beautiful thing that a God doesn't force anything onto us. He loves us, cares about us, that much more. And that truth alone should just cause his death on the cross to mean that much more to you. It's amazing. So he goes on to explain this. You know, he drops this quote from Isaiah. You're permitted to understand the secret of the kingdom of God, but I use parables for everything I say to the outsiders so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. And they were Isaiah chapter six, verses nine through 10. We read this. When they see what I do, they'll learn nothing. Why? Because they don't want to learn because they don't want to learn. When they hear what I say, they won't understand. Why? Because they've closed off their ears to him. They don't want to hear what he has to say. 
Otherwise, and here's where it gets like, people are like, oh, this feels uncomfortable. Otherwise, they would turn to me and be forgiven. Well, isn't that what he wants? What he wants is for them to turn to him and be forgiven. Yes. But that has to be on their part. That has to come from them. And, and there's other ways that this is translated, different translations and all that good stuff. Um, some of them uh, reword that a little bit more in... in Putting it, phrasing it in such a way that says, like, look, if, if they actually would turn to me, I would forgive them. And basically, that is what it's saying. They're blind. They're deaf to everything I do and everything that I say. They, they don't want to understand. If they did, I would gladly forgive them, which is true. If they wanted it, he would give it to them. However, he's dealing with, an, with people at this moment in time who don't want it. So they don't get it. And that's how it is. We think a just God would just like force everybody to get saved, but then he wouldn't be a just God. He wouldn't be. A God who acquiesces to humanity is is no God at all. He sets the standard. He paid the price. He is God. He is king. We are not. We are not. We fall in line. We worship him. He doesn't, have to, he doesn't have to change the standards or lower the bar or anything like that. He says, look, here's the deal. You're sinners. You, we did it. We did it. Go back to Genesis chapter 3 if you don't believe me. We, humanity, this great thing, humanity, we messed it up. We busted it. We broke it. And he's done everything to fix it. He's done everything to fix it. And all he says is, just come to me. Just come to me. Well, I don't think I should have to go to you. Well, okay. Then you'll never come to him. It's sobering. This is like judgment. We don't like these passages of scriptures because we're like, can you just make us feel better? Hey, do you know Jesus? If you do, praise God. What do you have to worry about? You should be like, okay, I, I kind of understand that. Maybe, maybe not. He's kind of doing a good job. Maybe not, whatever. But now you should be like, I want to know more. I want to press in. I want to understand. I want to grow my relationship with the Lord Jesus. I'm so worried about other people. Man, I hope you're worried. I hope it's like breaks your heart that people die apart from knowing Jesus. That's what I hope. But sometimes we can get on these trips where it's like, and I've, I've, in witnessing to people and sharing the gospel with people, the, the same thing always usually works its way into conversation. God's so loving. What about those tribes and all in that country way over there? I'm like, go buy a ticket and go to them then. Do you actually care about those people? Or are you using that as a crutch so you don't have to surrender your life to him? Because I think that's what you're doing. If you actually care about them, then buy a plane ticket and go to them. Because he does care about those people. And maybe he cares enough about those people that he's put this on your heart so that you would go to those people. Have you ever thought about that? We think, we always want to assume that, oh, he's just, God's this and that. It's like, he's so loving. He is so loving. It's amazing how incredibly gracious and loving God is. We need to make sure we're giving him credit for that, okay? So these are hard, judgment stuff and all that, but here's the understanding of the parable. 
and, and just one last little note on that. Um, unless they're going to respond to the truth of this, then they're not going to be given any further insight. You know, it's kind of that thing of like, you toss out the seed and it's like, okay, well, what are you going to do with this seed? Reject it. Here, bird. Here, bird. You know, right? <laughs> Whatever. Like, I don't know what's going on there, but this bird, Satan, comes and snatches away from them. I, I just wrote down this quote from uh, Tony Evans. He says, unless they responded to the word or to the truth that they had heard, they would not be given further insight to lead them to repentance. What are you going to, how are you going to respond to it? And that's ultimately what's talking about there. I mean, if you're going to keep rejecting it, then there is a, I'm going to try to say this right, um, there is an end time for the salvation message, an expiration date, kind of. There will come a day where it's taken off the table. There just is. Again, those are things that we don't probably like to think about too much. But in, in human history, especially going forward into the end times and all that good stuff of when things are going to happen, when a rapture is going to happen and all that good stuff, there will come a day where salvation is taken off of the table, so to speak. And that happens individually for individuals and when and all that, don't know. Don't know. People get saved on their deathbeds all the time, I guess. But I do know in people's lives that the free gift that God continues to extend extend to individuals, and the more that gets rejected, probably the less and less they see it. So it's always wise to, if the gospel is presented and is given to you, then you should embrace that. You should take that. Because we don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. He gives an explanation, and we're just going to cruise through this real quick. Verse 13, Jesus says to them, if you can't understand the meaning of this parable, this is why this is key, how we understand all the other parables. He's like, if you can't make it through this one, you're not going to have much hope for the next ones, right? And so, which is probably partially why I wanted to revisit this, because even if I didn't stand up and reteach something, I was going to make sure I emphasize this point. This is absolutely key. It says, the farmer plants seed by taking God's word to others, okay? So we know in the first story that Jesus told, he probably is the farmer of that story, right? And he's teaching this to the crowd. And he's actively telling them, like, look, I'm throwing out seed right now. I'm tossing out seed right now. And I know where it's landing. I know where it's landing. So Jesus now breaks it down for the disciples. The farmer is the one who plants seed by taking God's word to others. You and I, if you're a believer, you're a farmer. You're a farmer. That's who you are. I don't know what God's role is for me and his calling for me. You're a farmer, okay? Welcome to the agricultural lifestyle. Um, you are now farmers. You have the seed. It's called the word of God. Go out there and distribute it. That's what he's called you to do, okay? Now, that can mean different things for different people in specific areas and environments and all that stuff. Ultimately, break it down. You're a farmer. You have seed. Go share the seed, okay? So the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. All right, so that, again, that's the hard heart. Uh, and you're like, well, that's not fair. The bird comes and snatches away before it has a chance to. It's not penetrating the ground. It's not going to penetrate the ground. That's easy pickings for the devil. Anybody who shows up and is like, I'm going to check this thing out, but I'm not, I don't want to hear what they have to say. I don't want this Jesus thing. Any seed that gets thrown out into their lives, Satan is snatching that stuff up because it's easy. It's easy for him. He wants to make sure that there's no chance. 
doesn't mean that they're hopeless. Does not mean that they're hopeless. But in this story, and to that crowd Jesus was talking to, he's like, yeah, Satan, yeah, he was there too. He was there too. He's picking up seed the whole time. Okay? So don't let, don't let that bird come in and steal this seed away from you. Um, he said the seed that fell on, or on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. They um, have a reaction, okay? And since they don't have a deep, uh, they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word, right? So there's, there's a little bit of a reaction, but as soon as anybody is like, oh, you believe that thing? They wither and die. Oh, you go to church? Oh, wither and die. You believe in Jesus? No depth, no strength. As soon as the sun hits them, gets a little hot, they're gone. They're gone. Not going to last. That's, that's true within people's lives. That happens all the time in churches, right? People get, show up and they get stoked and they're like, sweet, I love this Jesus thing. This is the best thing ever. Walk out the, walk out the door and something happens. They're like, I, I've, I've, that just died. I've withered and I don't want, that obviously wasn't the answer for me. And they go on seeking out other, other answers, other seeds, so to speak. It says the seed that fell on uh, the thorn, fell among the thorns, um, there's a principle within Bible study called uh, the, the rule of first mention. So you got thorns, should go trigger in your brain the fall in the garden. That's the first point, first time we ever see thorns. It was a direct result of sin and rebellion against God. Thorns are already in the, they're already there. Thorns didn't just happen. The thorns are already there. Somebody didn't go through and deal with the thorns. So the good seed's going out into the, the soil but this particular part of soil didn't do the work of getting rid of the thorns that were going to choke out the life of the seed within them. Application, hey, what's in your life that might be choking out the Word of God? You better dig it out. You better get rid of it. You don't want anything in here that's going to choke out the life of the Word of God within you. It says, there's the thorns. It says, but all too quickly, verse 19, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, the desire for other things, so no fruit is produced. To you as a Christian, your role is to produce fruit. We read Galatians 5 as the fruit of this, this, the list of the fruits of the Spirit so that you understand you probably are maybe more fruitful than you realize. That's, a, that's not the exhaustive list of it. There's other references to the fruit of the Spirit within the Word. But I wanted to use that one specifically to encourage you to do a survey of your life. Are you bearing those things in your life? Then you're being fruitful. Can you be more fruitful? Yes, we all could be more fruitful. But are you producing fruit? Go back through that list and see. Are you more patient now, after following Jesus than you were before following Jesus, I can say absolutely amen to that. Am I as patient as I need to be? Oh, no way. Oh, no. I think I just barely crossed that line, whatever that line is, right? Like 20 years of walking with Jesus, I just barely stepped over that line. But I got more patience. I know I have love, that agape love. I did not have that before Jesus. I did not have that before Jesus. And that was one of the first things I noticed when I gave my life to Jesus was this love that I had that couldn't have been conjured up by me. This love 
for people. We're so glad that you joined us for a look at the Gospel of Mark here on Bread for the Broken. Pastor James will continue to take you verse by verse through this New Testament book about Jesus. There's so much to learn. We pray that you've heard something today that's drawn you deeper into your relationship with the Lord. Do you have questions about what it means to be in a relationship with Jesus? Well, we would love to hear from you and talk more. So go to breadforthebroken.com and click on contact to leave a message for us. We'll get back to you as soon as we can. Or if you're in the Galveston area, we would love to get to know you in person too. Join us on Sundays or Thursdays as we study God's Word together at Calvary Galveston. You'll find service times, more information, and directions at our website. Once again, that's breadforthebroken.com. We're so grateful for our listening audience. And if this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you consider teaming up with us in a financial way? A lot is done to get these teachings out on the radio. And we're so grateful for those who feel led by God to contribute in that way. Simply go to the About tab on our website and you'll find the Donate link. We'd also like to ask you to be praying for us and for your fellow listeners. We can all use God's guidance and continued grace as we navigate this world with Him. Thanks for praying. If you missed any part of today's teaching, you can also find it on our website, breadforthebroken.com. Thanks again for tuning in today to Bread for the Broken.